BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Hey, 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 it's me. I know you've missed me. It's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks at least, and I was hoping to have a more frequent shows. But, uh, you know, we've had some trouble getting things together. I've been dealing with a few things in life, and uh, but I'm glad to at least be able to come to you today with a new episode. Uh, it's just me today, although we're going to hear from Lost Boy Eric later on as he managed to get a chance to go out and see Black Widow. And also has watched the new Space Jam Legacy. I haven't gotten a chance to watch either one, although Philip and I do have plans to go see Black Widow at the drive-in this Friday because it's kind of a tradition where Vacation Bible School was completed. We go out. That's how we went to go see Bill and Ted last year, actually, I believe. But uh, yeah, so it's tradition. We go out to the drive-in. We got watch the movie. So we're planning to see Black Widow. Uh, he does have an HBO Max account, so... If I wanted to, I could watch the the sequel to Space Jam, but I'm not a big Space Jam fan, and I'm not a big fan of LeBron James or even really basketball. And from the trailers, I wasn't really that interested. So thankfully, Eric has watched this. You know, he's got kids, so that gives him a lot more of an opportunity to watch a lot of different features, I think, with his family than I would have because it's just me and my wife. And if neither one of us really want to watch the movie, we have no reason to watch it. So, so we didn't. So that's kind of the way the cookie crumbles on that. But anyway, we do have those reviews. I have a lot of fun things I've come across this week that I want to talk about with you. Uh, so we're going to just dive right on into some of the fun things that I have been doing. Uh, they're always more fun when I can talk to other people. But sometimes, you know, it's just me. So we do what we must. So as far as what I've been watching, uh, this has been a time for doing some retro viewing. Uh, I'm the Bad Batch. I'm behind probably. I think I might be two episodes behind. I need to go back and watch some Bad Batch episode because, you know, the Bad Batch is still a good show. But uh, I I pulled out my Blu-rays of Chuck. Oh, probably uh, a week ago, something like that. I don't know. But I I, I pulled out I pulled out my Blu-ray set of the entire series of Chuck. Uh, and I kind of was watching them. Uh, one thing I've noticed when I'm when I work from home, having something on in the background on the TV here in the office kind of helps me, uh, you know, focus or whatever. Kind of like when I used to listen to, you know, an audio book or something while I would work uh, when I'm, I'm staring at the same computer screen for a long time, because that's when I'm doing a lot of that traffic work and I'm looking at a map and just looking for things to change on the map. And it. You got to keep your brain 
active in the right way, I guess. So I put in the you know, first season of Chuck, and so I've been watching Chuck, and I still I just adore that show. It was it's it's one of the few series that I can watch multiple times that I actually own, um, and I own a hard copy. I mean, I own the Batman animated series digitally, uh, and I do have the complete uh, He Man and the Masters of the Universe on DVD. Uh, so there's there's very few series that I own in completion, but I mean I do have a few. Uh, the Avengers. Uh, Earth Mightiest Hero, the first one that Disney had put out on the Disney Channel. Uh, I do have that set. I have most, at least all the really good episodes of the X-Men animated series. And I've got the Spectacular Spider-Man. I really wish they released the 90s Spider-Man here on some sort of solid media uh, instead of just on Disney Plus. Because I would I would own that too. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there's very few things that I, you know, TV shows that I'm going to watch repeatedly. And that is definitely one of them. And it is fun to go and watch and see, you know, Zach Levi. I mean, this, let's see, when was the series? It was in the, uh, the, the 2000s, I believe it started. And so he's a lot younger looking than what you, when you see him in Shazam, you know, there's, there's definitely, you can see he's, you know, aged, he's bulked up, uh, you know, because he's, you know, play superhero, you want to put a little muscle on and he did. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see him uh, at, at, at this younger age. Uh, of course, I did watch the conclusion of Loki, which um, all right, I want to try. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't sat and watched, but it didn't wrap things up in a nice little package and put a bow on it. But it does give us a character to talk about. We did get to meet a character that we we knew was coming, but uh, we finally get to meet him although they did not name him he was recognizable in the the colors that he wore and sort of these circles he had kind of uh just below his neckline uh made him recognizable uh but let's just say nathaniel richards so this is pulling directly off of marvel.com nathaniel richards was born in the alternate timeline earth 6311 a.k.a. Other Earth. In this reality, the Dark Ages never occurred and technology developed without interruption. Their timeline having diverged circa 300 A.D., the people of Other Earth made their first moon landing in 900 A.D., which became the first year of their new calendar. After a peaceful era during which a lunar colony was established, the great war between the colony and Earth destroyed the moon and plunged Other Earth back into a primitive state. Nathaniel Richards of Earth 616, attempting time travel, reach other earth and settled there he used his knowledge to help rebuild that world and married cassandra daughter of the matriarch of ironies i think that's how you say that he became known as both the warlord erroneously and the benefactor approximately 1900 years later in the calendar year 3000 nathaniel richard's descendant and namesake was born into an age of peace and enlightenment thanks to his ancestors efforts at age 16, the young robotic student, Nathaniel, develops a working, growing man stimuloid model. However, his throat is slit by a bully, Morgan, causing him to spend the next year hospitalized. While recovering, he studies cross-dimensional recordings of the heroic age of Earth-616 brought to his reality by the Benefactor. At age 25, Nathaniel discovers the Benefactor's citadel, his former fortress, and a long-sealed chamber which contains part of a time machine and plans for its operation. This is Kang, known as the Conqueror. But uh, he's got a lot of different identities. It's you know, There's a listing of other aliases. The Blue Man, Victor Timely, Blue Totem, Scarlet Centurion, Ramatut, King of Kings, Master of Men, Lord of the Seven Sons. Like others from his native era, Kang ages at a slightly slower rate than modern humanity and is more resistant to the effects of radiation though he can be harmed by concentrated doses. He is an expert in time travel and the manipulation of time and has mastered his future's advanced technology. He is an expert strategist, a veteran of armed and unarmed combat, and has an indomitable will to succeed through struggle. Kang's full body armor, composed of an unidentified future metal, enables him to lift five tons and can project a gravito-electromagnetic force field around him that is extendable up to 20 feet, and can even shield him from a direct nuclear strike. The suit has its own self-contained atmosphere, food supply, and waste disposal system. Its weapons include anti-graviton particle projectors in his gauntlets, rendering weightless objects up to 2.2 tons, concussive force blasters equivalent to up to several thousand pounds of TNT, circuitry assessing his ship's time machine, or, or accessing his ship's time machine, I should say, or other such resources, allowing him to automatic recall of a few seconds, as well 
as enabling him to peer into various timelines and various other weapons that are regularly updated. Gang formerly used technology that transferred his mind into an alternate body upon the point of death. There is a lot of things uh, here on the Marvel website. Uh, I, I could read this whole thing to you. But let's not. But this, I mean, that's just a, a short overview of King the Conqueror. And in case you didn't know who that was in the end of the Loki series, well, not quite the end. I mean, he was kind of a primary character. And uh, boy, that actor, uh, Jonathan Majors, he was so good as King. And you never know what you're going to get with King. Because, I mean, there's times in uh, different versions of him have been, I think we even mentioned a few episodes back that he was part of uh, the Young Avengers uh, with a different name. He pops up throughout different parts of time, uh, different versions of himself, and they seem to be leaning on that in the cinematic universe, as was alluded to in the Loki series. But I like the way Jonathan Majors played the character. It was very, very interesting because he was he's affable and in his own sort of way, and yet very driven. And you know, for for he. He's very driven in his purpose. And that's very similar to, I mean, the first time I really got to know much about the character was, speaking of that Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes animated series, I pulled out the, the three-episode arc where he was introduced in that series, and he is focused on fixing the timeline to change something in his timeline. He needs to go back, and he wants to... to remove Captain America from the timeline because Captain America, you're not supposed to be in this timeline. Your era was back during your World War II. You shouldn't be here in the modern time. And it's your inclusion here that's causing the problems in my timeline. And so that, that's what they did in the animated series. Uh, and it was really interesting. So yeah, King is a great character. He's going to be our big bad. And we can see him in various different forms in upcoming films and series. I'm sure we'll see him many times. Also, of course, we do have Madam Hydra, you know, Val. Uh, she's got a big complicated name, but I like to just call her Madam Hydra. We've already seen her pop up once and she pops up in an end credit scene in Black Widow. Even though I haven't seen it, I have got a lot of information about it. <laughs> so, but I have been keeping up on that the other thing i've been watching is you know since I, and I think i mentioned this a few weeks ago i watched the friends reunion and i did enjoy it it was it was pretty neat to watch then it made me want to actually sit and watch friends and you know what that show is funnier than i remembered it <laughs> you know i'm in the first season still and it is oh my goodness it is a delight it is a very very funny show uh so it's been fun to just sit and watch and it's been and much needed relaxation for me. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very overstressed right now. I've got a lot of things going on and not going right. Uh, we, there are some potential turnaround for a few things. Hopefully this week I'm going to learn some things and our, things are going to align for me. And I'll talk about it more if uh, if things kind of come through for me. Because uh, right now, you know, I have not been able to fully come back post COVID and being furloughed. I feel like I'm halfway there. But I'm not 100% back. Uh, but I am working on some different things. So hopefully it's going to work things out a little bit better than things have been. Um, but I've definitely been struggling. So uh, those of you who wish to support the show on Patreon, this is this is one of the best times you could. If, you, if you're not already doing it, this is a great time for you to do it, uh, to support us on Patreon. I do have a link on the website, NeverlandPodcast.com or on Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast. I would love your support. It really would help me to keep the show going. Otherwise, I may have to move this thing to Anchor or to YouTube or a free platform. And I really don't want to do that. I like the service that I'm, I'm paying for because it helps me to bring the show to you. And I feel like I still have ownership by paying for it instead of going to Anchor. Uh, so, yeah, this I'm not trying to beg for money or anything, but this is if there's any other time you thought about supporting the show, this is a wonderful time to do it. Uh, so what have I been playing uh, of course, I'm still playing Animal Crossing, although my wife and I, I think we've reached a point where when we get to a beginning of a month or a new season, that's where we want to jump in. We want to kind of see what sort of new things we can catch, new fish, new bugs, that kind of thing. We want to see what's new. But after a few days and a few weeks or whatever, you're like, well, OK, so I you know, it used to be I was consistent every day. I would play because there's different things to do every day. I've now gotten to where. Yeah, I'll miss a day and I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, although it is interesting, your animal companions or friends, neighbors that you have on your island and in, in ML Crossing New Horizons, 
will mention that they haven't talked to you in a while. Oh, hey, I haven't talked to you. I, you know, I waited. One of them says, I waited outside your house thinking, well, maybe you'll come out sometime. <laughs> they say things and they, oh, they, I guess they could guilt trip you, but you know, they're, they're not real people. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't come out, but I was like, you know, I, you know, I've got other things I've been doing. In fact, that's, I've actually been playing something different and I I need to get back on Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't want to neglect that that game entirely. I do want to finish it. But Philip started playing uh, the WWE 2K. I think he started playing 20 again and also 20, the 2K19. And I was playing that with him and I realized, you know, I haven't really done much with the universe mode. Now, the universe mode, for those of you who have never played a WWE game or you don't like wrestling or whatever, that's basically you can create your own shows. You can play the current shows that WWE actually does have on and you can create pay-per-views, but you set up a calendar and you just play and you can put characters into assigned shows and go from there. Well, I've deleted all the WWE shows like Raw, SmackDown and whatever. There was a 205, all that kind of thing. I have. Oh, guess what? It's the Fandom Nexus show. Oh, but of course, is our Neverland show. I've built two different arenas. I had an originally a Neverland podcast arena which i still have that one but i built i, I kind of tweaked it and turned it into a the fandom nexus uh i've created myself i created Aerith gainsborough from final fantasy 7 i've downloaded a lot of other characters i've tweaked a few of them uh there's somebody had made a tila and they made gina carano you know um cara dune which i'm gonna make an alternate outfit to turn her into cara dune uh but i did tweak them because some people's concept of making female wrestlers is they will find any way to make them appear as naked as possible or something. And I said, like, well, I don't really want that. I want them to look like I know them. And I thought it was fun having a Gina Carano that somebody had made uh, because they did a good job. They went and got her face because you can get a picture of someone's face and you can put it on the head of the character to make it actually look like a real person. So I put her in some UFC gear. So she looks like she's ready for a fight. I thought that was a fun idea. Uh, but, you know, so I did that Tila, Ashira, but a lot of those were made by the same person and they were like, yeah, over-sexualizing the character. So I tweaked the She-Ra and the Tila and the Gina Carano, and I think it's probably some other characters, to make them more like I would recognize them. Philip made his own version of Tila, uh, and he has made a Man-at-Arms and a Beast-Man that I downloaded. A lot of stuff I downloaded from him, even he made a, made a version of me. But Philip is funny how he likes to find a photo of me where I'm making a face or doing something with my eyes because he, he loves that about me because I'm very animated, uh, he says. So, <laughs> so he likes to get a picture of me where I've got bulgy eyes and I'm giving them the crazy eyes or my eyebrows are raised or something. I'm never just looking straight to where my face can animate properly. So he likes to make versions of me with crazy faces, but I've got uh, two versions of me that he's made and a version of him and some of our other friends. So I've got an entire show that's based upon some Marvel characters, some DC characters, some masters of the universe characters, some final fantasy seven characters, myself and my friends. And we're all in a wrestling group and we've created our own titles. A lot of them is like Philip has already made a title. So I'll just download his stuff and I'll create a title for a particular division. And so I've done that. And then of course I've created another show for all the women to compete. So, you know, my wife is able to go and compete against She-Ra and Tila and Gina Carano and Starfire and Poison Ivy and the Black Widow and a comic book style Black Widow somebody had made. I thought it was kind of neat. So, but I have all these female wrestlers that are all on their own show. Then I have all those goofy people uh, in another show. And then because I am an old school kind of favorite of old wrestling, you know, that stuff I grew up on, I've got another show that is I label as a WWF and I have all these vintage wrestlers that are included in the game or or somebody, you know, recreated them and I have them all on their own show and I let them compete over some vintage titles. And uh, so I have that as my weekly scheduling and then I create pay-per-views to happen once a month for each one of the shows. And I've been playing with that and just having a grand old time. You know, it's something you don't have to take that seriously. And part of the fun. I've got a Spotify playlist I've been working on for a while. It was a 70s, 80s, 90s playlist. Now it's included the 60s. I've been I've kind of been putting these together. Partly for the Real Brian show. If you haven't checked it out, go for it. Uh, he, they've been doing our some of our favorite songs of a, of a decade, and they've gone down from the from this decade and went a decade at a time backwards. Uh, the next show they'll have, which will release on Friday, is going to be featuring the 1960s. And so I was looking up for songs of the 1960s, and I added it to this playlist, and then I I uh, sent Brian a list of some of the songs from the 1960s that are that are really good ones that I like. But I've got like 355 songs now on this playlist on Spotify. 
<laughs> so if any of you happen to follow me on Spotify, you should be able to find this list. And it's uh, it's a vast collection of a lot of things. And I can listen to it while I am playing the wrestling game. Because, you know, I don't really, you know, the, the songs on the wrestling game, I'm not that keen on. And even the commentary on the 2K19, I don't think is very good. So I've shut that off. And so I'm listening to music while I'm playing. And, I have, you know, of course, there's crowd noise and the game noises and stuff going on. But no commentary, no other music. I shut off the entrances. But this is the only game I really play that I feel like I can listen to uh, a playlist. Because uh, the PS4, you can pull up Spotify. And I can play this play- playlist. And this is one of the few games I feel like I can have alternate music playing that it doesn't take away from the game because a lot of games the music in the game is so good these days that i don't want to take away from that even though you know red dead redemption 2 doesn't have a whole lot of music hits but playing this music would not fit the feel of playing red dead redemption 2 so playing wrestling allows me to play listen to this vast (laughs) playlist uh so i've been having a good time with that i listen to a lot of old music and i even remember Someone on Facebook saying, does anybody just sit and listen to music anymore? Well, thanks to this playlist, I've even set it up in the living room on the Roku device. I'll open Spotify and I'll, I'll start playing this playlist. My wife and I will sit there and listen and well, you know, maybe pull out a switch and, and you know, do some things on Animal Crossing. Or sometimes I just kind of sit there and I just listen to the music and then oh, well, here's an ad. I got to sit through some ads. Oh, OK, we're back to the music and just enjoy some of these old songs. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun doing that. All righty. Well, I do have a little bit of news that I want to get into. Really just one thing. And I would hit the button, but well, maybe I should. Mama, nothing- That's not the right button. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Like I said, really, I only have one thing other than I'd like to mention, you know, uh, Walt Disney's wedding anniversary was recent, I believe the 13th. Uh, We've also hit the 66th anniversary of Disneyland, which is, you know, just kind of fun to mention. But I found out about this. It sort of it's, it looks like it's basically it'd be a portable gaming device. It's a handheld, but you can get a dock for it and plug it into a TV. It's called the Steam Deck. It's being made by Valve. Now, those of you that have a Steam account, you're going to be familiar with this. This is where you can play a lot of PC games. Uh, you, you can buy a lot of them at discount prices and even older games that they've kind of updated. A lot of Valve's old games. But on Steam, you get access to all these different games that you can play and then you can download and stuff. But you own like a digital version of these games. And so they've had, and I own this device, I forgot what it was called, but it's a device that you could plug into your TV, and then you could plug whatever sort of controller into this device, and so you you connect it to your Steam account, and then you're supposed to be able to play your games even on that. I had bought one of those because I've never finished the original Half-Life, and I'd like to be able to play with a controller instead of a mouse and keyboard, because I'm not good with mouse and keyboard on a first-person shooter type of thing like that. Although, using a mouse to aim is stuff is good. It's just melee weapons. I feel weird clicking a mouse. I don't know. It just... And jumping and stuff. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Okay. And I wanted to play it on a controller. So I bought the device and hooked it up the TV. And then it said that Half-Life was not compatible with a controller. So this gives me a new opportunity. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to uh, pick up this thing. But I would like to get it. So the Steam Deck. Imagine a Nintendo Switch. Only it's a little heavier. And the controls are right along the very top. Uh, on the sides of this with a, it looks like it's got a slightly bigger screen than the the PlayStation Switch. But it also includes right beneath the joysticks uh, little touch pads, which are aimed at for if you need to have a mouse, you can use that for your mouse. So I have a feeling this would help me to be able to play Half-Life because I own it on Steam. Uh, but I could play it on this device. Now, there's some other games that I own on there that I had to you know buy even on the PS4 like um Star Wars, uh, uh, the, oh, the, you know, the Trooper game. Wow. Galactic Commandos. You know what I mean, right? They they were clone troopers and they were commandos. I I played through that on the PS4. I think I got video of it. I don't think I've uploaded up to YouTube yet. I haven't got uploaded to YouTube in a while. Um, but I, I got that also on Steam with a collection of Star Wars games, but 
my computer is too fast to run these things and the mouse is just flying everywhere. So I wonder if this device would enable me to play some of those other games because they have like some of the Dark Forces series on here. A lot of different games that I'd like to be able to play, but they they don't run right on my computer. They're just too fast because they're older games. And I'm wondering if they're tweaked to where on this this device I'd be able to play it. But then I'll, as I mentioned, this Steam Deck, you can dock it and there's a dock that they'll be selling. But you could also apparently get a USB dock of just any type and you can plug it in and then connect it to your television and a contr- a, a, apply a controller to it, connect to controllers, and you should be able to play on your television as well with a controller. I like playing it as a console game. That's what kind of got me excited about this. So this is going to begin shipping in December of this year. The interesting thing is the availability. They They did a reservation thing. For $5 deposit, uh, and the Steam servers were immediately just overwhelmed when they had a reservation page as soon as it went online. They just, people jumped in like crazy. This is going to be selling very well. I do not know what the full retail price is going to be. So, <laughs> and they're trying to keep people from ordering multiple Steam decks, but might not be working. And I bet you're going to find some of these things selling online. But uh, they're expecting at least some order availability in the first quarter of 2022. Uh, they got, they'll have a 64 gigabyte version in quarter two of 2022, 256 gigabyte version in quarter three. Or well, I think I've got those wrong. But yeah, they're going to keep getting increased gigabyte on the amount of space you have. But of course, it is upgradable. You can buy, uh, of course, an SD card and insert it to get more space, so you can fit all your different games on there. Uh, but there, I've found another page about some of the information. Well, I guess I've got uh, just, those are the only specs I really found. This other page, that, well, now if I can get it to pull up, I had another. Oh, there we go. Here we go. Some other things I did have. I forgot I had a second thing. I was curious about the Final Fantasy two page or or Final Fantasy seven second part. Right, Square Enix released Final Fantasy seven. A, a last summer, about the time, you know, I was playing that during the pandemic, but they've had an upgrade, or, well, not really an upgrade, a DLC, Final Fantasy VII Integrate, but it's exclusively on the PS5. And it, it did give an upgrade to the original game for next-generation systems. And uh, that's funny, it says uh, on the IGN, they actually say, because it finally upgraded all those pesky doors. I didn't have any problem with the doors. But this new storyline with Integrate, has Yuffie in it, which I was not a big fan of Yuffie, but of course I do want to get this. If I, When I get a PS5, I'll worry about getting this. But I was curious about how things are going for the second part. And so I looked at, I was doing some search for it, and this is where I found basically this, the Yuffie and the upgrades. And that, that's all I can really say. As a there's not a whole lot of knowing when they're going. Uh, he says, Yuffie's story generally moved briskly, never quite outstanding its welcome, while also offering a tantalizing taste of what's to come in Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, which is now in full production. And that's pretty much all we have. It's in production, which we kind of knew that. But I guess this does tease of some things to come. I have heard there is an extra scene where we're going to get to see Zack. Yes, is, is indeed alive. And he makes an appearance. But you're going to get to see a little bit of Yuffie and I guess how she's going to eventually fit in with the other characters. And I think you even get to see a little bit of the characters from the, the original Final Fantasy VII Remake and see where they're at just after what where we leave them in the game. I don't really want to say too much because in case you haven't played it, I don't want to spoil anything. But if you haven't played it, I want to highly recommend you play that Final Fantasy VII Remake. It was amazing. I played through it multiple times. I've nearly got the platinum score on the thing, but I just not quite. So <laughs> it's it's coming. We know the second part is coming. That's all we can say. It is coming. I was really hoping I was going to find more information on it when I looked it up. But like I said, not yet. Not yet. So, yeah, that's pretty much, I only really had one real update and then one kind of sort of update that I was kind of excited about. But now, uh, as the button I hit earlier uh, was kind of saying, I do have something to talk about in the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Oh, get him, Mama. Oh. Get that gator. Ah. Yeah. Ah. 
the Neverland Trailer Park. So we got to see a trailer for uh, the new Pixar film set to be released March 11th of 2022, directed by Domi Shi. Tw- the 25th feature film from Pixar. It's called Turning Red, and the tagline is Growing Up is a Beast. And what we see in this trailer, and I can't really play the audio because they played way too much of a pop song, and uh, it's just going to ask me for a copyright strike. I mean, it really is. So, <laughs> set in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, in Turning Red, May Lee is a confident, dorky 13-year-old torn between staying her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of adolescence. And as if changes to her interests and relationships and body weren't enough, whenever she gets too excited, for which a teenager is practically always, she poofs into a giant red panda. Turning Red is directed by Academy Award winner Dome Shi, known from Pixar short Bao. You've watched that, I'm sure. I'll bet you had an emotional response to it. It was good. Uh, It's produced by Lindsay Collins. It's coming to theaters, of course, next spring. Uh, This, of course, I don't think we actually got to see a real scene from the movie. This seemed to be more like the tease, but we see our, our protagonist there, Mei Lee. Uh, and I guess Ming Lee played by Sandra. Oh, Rosalie Ching is playing Mei Lee, by the way. And Sandra Oh appears to be her mother, Ming Lee. And Mei Lee is in a classroom and her friend bugs her and says, Hey, your mother is standing outside and her mother manages to embarrass her. And as she gets embarrassed in the class, we have a Hulk out moment. And she turns into a giant red panda. Now, if you don't know what a red panda is, uh, many people have said it's the cutest animal on the planet. And they might be right. Uh, we have red pandas here in the Kansas City Zoo. I love to go and watch them. They are absolutely adorable. Uh, so, yeah, go look up a red panda if you're not familiar with one. Or if you've seen this trailer, you know, it's kind of cute. You get to see one. But to see the real ones are a lot better. Go go Google it. So this, they do plan to put this out into theaters uh, and I plan to see it in a theater because I want to go you know back to theaters I'm you know I'm, I'm planning of course like I said to go see Black Widow and a drive-in uh, but this looks just silly and fun and cute and everything that makes us love Pixar so with that said we do have some movie reviews and I haven't gotten to see either one of these movies so we're going to see what Lost Boy Eric has to say, and then I'll share some things that I did do some. I did research. I've watched some videos from different people reviewing Black Widow and <laughs> the Space Jam. And so I have some information I can share just to make sure that I'm contributing to my own show. But let's say what Lost Boy Eric had. I really need to make a bumper for movie review. I really do. I'm sorry I don't have one yet. Uh, but here's a movie review from Lost Boy Eric of Black Widow. Hey there, Neverlanders and true believers. This is Lost Boy Eric coming to you with two reviews of films that have come out over the past couple of weeks. Now, unless you've been living in a hole in the ground for the last two years, we have been actively awaiting the return of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to the big screen. While it has been great to see uh, little snippets of the Marvel Universe through WandaVision and uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, we finally got our first big Marvel movie back on the silver screen, Black Widow. Now, this movie, it goes back in time a little bit. It picks up on the events uh, following Captain America's Civil War leading up to uh, Infinity War. Now, Black Widow follows Natasha Romanoff on the run from General Thunderbolt Ross. You'll remember that back in Civil War during the big German airport battle, she turned on Tony as well as T'Challa Uh, allowing Steve and Bucky to escape and uh, continue onwards to find um, the Winter Soldier program in Russia. Well, in this film, it actually begins in 1995, where we see uh, Natasha as a a girl living in Midwestern Ohio. You know, her all-American family is there. You've got shots of fireworks and baseball games only to find out that it's all a lie. She has been brought into this quote-unquote family to work undercover for the Red Room. And much of the film deals with the fallout of her experiences with this family. She ends up trying to track down the sister she had in this family. And of course, they're not all related. They were all brought together for this specific assignment, and then they separated afterwards. But she now has to reach out and find her sister, Yelena. Together, they work to bring down 
the Red Room. Now, we've gotten glimpses of it uh, in the previous Avengers movies, where we've seen some of Natasha's training, and we learn the extent of what it is that the Red Room does and how they train their widows. We also learn a bit about how Natasha works to remove the red from her ledger and a lot of what that red represents. Um, of course, as she's working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and with the Avengers, she's trying to get rid of that. We touch upon Budapest, and yes, I did say Budapest, um, and what Hawkeye did and how that changed the course of Natasha's life. Now, while dealing with all of this distrust coming from a lifetime of being a spy, she does have to battle a hidden force, which is exemplified in Taskmaster. And, you know, this comes from the Taskmaster we know in the comics, a mercenary who studies their opponents and learns how to, you know, use their own moves against them. You know, we see such things as the Widow's, you know, run up the wall scissor kick where she brings down enemies by their neck. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we can see Hawkeye's technique of using a bow and arrow. You know, we can even see how Taskmaster uses their shield much the same way that Steve uses his in battle as well as, you know, stomping on it and forcing it to come up from the ground and land on their arm. You know, it's the action set pieces are pretty much everything we come to expect from a Marvel movie. Of course, this is nowhere near as grand or as big as Avengers Endgame. This is a very personal story. There aren't any universe-altering consequences as a result for it, especially since we know that this is a previous chapter. Um, we know what Natasha's ultimate end happens to be through Avengers Endgame. It's kind of a peek back and uh, giving us this opportunity to you know, learn more about who Black Widow is and to see what, you know, Black Widow means to the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward. I do want to mention that, uh, you know, it does introduce Yelena Belova as a potential equal for Natasha in skill level, but the trust that Natasha built up with the Avengers certainly is not there with Yelena. So it'll be interesting seeing, you know, what this means for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Along those notes, yes, there is a stinger at the end of the film, so you may want to stick around to catch that. Now, while uh, Black Widow was very enjoyable, uh, I don't foresee a large number of repeat viewings in my future. Now, it does help set up some of the rest of the pieces of the last two Avengers movies. And again, it's good to see a more down-to-earth depiction of a character with stakes rather than an overpowered character smirking their way through the story. Uh, of course, the performance of, um, and now I'm forgetting his name, uh, the guy who plays Red Guardian uh, and was in Stranger Things and whose Funko Pop I have sitting in front of me is not coming to me at the moment. But he is a, a treat in the film. It's good to see his interactions. And I suspect there might even be more of a backstory to the Red Guardian uh, and his history has yet been revealed. He does mention at some point that he fought Captain America in the 1980s. Now, we know Steve wasn't thought until, you know, the, you know, 2010s-ish. Uh, we know that while Isaiah Bradley was out there, he has been in prison. Uh, while it's possible that Steve could have come back and fought him when he came back in time to deliver the stones, I don't think that's the case. I suspect that we might have uh, another, uh, let's say, commie smashing uh, event or Captain America out there during this time. So, you know, we'll wait to see what that means. That's all setting up pieces for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But again, I did enjoy Black Widow. If you want to go ahead and see it, please feel free to go ahead, go out and see it. Uh, there was some um, chatter about how uh, there was a message that this movie was trying to portray. Um, I didn't see anything of that social message being uh, sent out. You know, yes, there is a bad guy. Yes, he's a really bad guy, and uh, he suffers the consequences of his actions. But uh, again, it was a great movie. I, um, Like I said, I may, it may not be something that I rewatch on, you know, as often as some of the other movies, but, you know, it is one that I'm definitely going to add to my collection when a uh, home media release is available. Now, as far as this film, what I really wanted in this film, and you know I've been excited for it if you've been listening for a long time. I've been excited for a Black Widow film, mainly from the 
first appearance that she has in the Avengers film. Where we see her apparently captured by some bad guys. And there's a phone call that comes in where Nick Fury is trying to give her a call, trying to send her to go find Bruce Banner. And she's like, oh, oh, but come on, these guys are telling me everything. This idiot. Where, you know, they think that they're in control and they're not. I wanted that sort of film where I wanted to see her, you know, doing super spy, female James Bondy sort of awesome stuff. I don't know that that's what this film has provided. And I don't know that it really answers a whole lot about what happened in Budapest and how she met Hawkeye and, you know, Hawkeye is throwing away lies. You and I remember Budapest very differently. Uh, I don't know that we really got answers to that in this film from what I've been hearing. But it has been receiving some positive critical and viewers reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, the negatives that I'm hearing about is, and a lot of this, you know, I did see some stuff with, uh, I I like to watch the pitch meeting videos from Screen Rant because they are funny. They're very tongue in cheek, but they sometimes make a really good point of things that are kind of wrong with a movie. And they managed to get their video out within the same weekend when the movie came out. I mean, they were able to find flaws with it within one quick viewing. So I'm like, that's a little scary. And I also was a little thrown off of my desire to see it. I'm granted I'm broke, so I couldn't go and see it. I couldn't do the Premiere Plus. I really uh, I really can't afford to get out and see it. But I was really thrown off of my excitement when IndieWire had a review that said, men are going to squirm as they're put in their place. Excuse me? I don't think I need to be put in my place. I'm fine. Uh, and if... If this was reversed and we were saying that women are being put in their place by a film, there would be uproar. So that threw me off. I'm like, yeah, I know I don't I don't like a movie that feels like it needs to put me in my place or make me squirm unless it's a horror movie and it's supposed to horrify me. But I usually don't go to those. I like good stories and mystery of horror, you know, old classic style. So that really threw me off. But one of the things that was mentioned by by the Screen Rant guy, I always forget his name, but he's very funny, is she's not being injured in massive, like a car explosion. You see her falling off of buildings and getting to a fight right after. She's fine. And I've seen the footage where she's falling off a building and wham, bam, bashing her head in multiple chunks of metal on the way down. And also in a a car that is blown up and flips, overturns multiple times. And she's fine. Now, she has no superpowers. She's very normal. She should be injured. Something. So I see that and I'm like, uh, I know, yeah, that pulls me out of a little bit. So I'm a little iffy on that. Uh, we also have pheromones that prevent killing the main villain, which they brought up the question, well, why don't you just stand far away to where you can't smell the pheromones or the pheromones are not getting into getting that nerve and shoot them. And this, of course, I, I feel like they really pulled this concept from Dick Jones and RoboCop, where the, one of the prime directives RoboCop has is he can't kill or arrest anybody of the, uh, I forgot the name of the company. But you have, those of you all of my age, you've seen RoboCop, you know what I'm talking about. OCP, he couldn't go a, a strike against anyone. That's how Dick Jones was able to get away with some stuff until he gets fired at the end. So, yeah, I find that to be interesting. But uh, they mentioned it's like there's a surgically precise nerve severing as she breaks her nose on the desk by slamming her face into a desk and that fixes it. So and that you kind of what? OK. So another thing we've got going on is, you know, Marvel has become uh, habitual in gender swapping characters. They've done it in. Ant-Man and the Wasp. They did it in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, they've added a female, added a female Loki into the Loki series, but Loki's been a female before. It has happened. He took over Sif's body at one point in the comics. So, you know, but they seem to be leaning on that. But and I don't want to spoil anything, but I have people compare what they've done with Taskmaster, which I was looking forward to seeing him as villain. Uh, they say, well, if you, if you saw what they did to Deadpool in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, that's what they've done to Taskmaster. Kind of a mindless drone, barely speaks, nowhere near the level quality of character and presentation of Taskmaster we would want. And you can even see the obvious difference between the stunt person who has been Taskmaster all the way in the movie until we have the sudden surprise, which nobody was really surprised by from what I've been hearing, but they noticed the body is completely different. 
uh, and, and smaller. So, I, I mean, they could have at least found another woman to play Taskmaster during the course of the film. So I'm, there's a lot of things working against this. And I've even had one reviewer I watched that pointed out similarities between this film and Ghostbusters 2016, where it seems all men are either dumb or villainous or say incredibly sexist things all the time. And I'm, I'm not down with that. I really did not like the Ghostbusters 2016. That was the one of the biggest flaws they had. It was embarrassing seeing Chris Hemsworth playing this character in that movie. It was just not to mention it wasn't funny. Uh, but, uh, but overall, people are saying a lot of nice things. So I might be pleasantly surprised when seeing the film. And as you heard, Eric did enjoy this, although he doesn't feel like it's going to be one that he's going to watch repeatedly, which is kind of like Captain Marvel. I was able to enjoy it, but it's like, I'm not going to probably watch that again. Uh, so I'm not necessarily looking forward to seeing this film, but I will check it out um, because I, I really was looking forward to a Black Widow movie. I've wanted one for a long time, but I don't think they gave us what me or any other fans had really wanted. Now, let's hear what Eric has to say about Space Jam New Legacy. Now, the other film that I got to watch this week was Space Jam A New Legacy. This is the third big screen event in, I think, about 25 years featuring the Looney Tunes. Uh, it has a lot of style. However, I'm sad to say it's got very little substance, uh, especially drawing from the original Space Jam. I actually, because, you know, it does have elements of Space Jam. It's also got elements of Ready Player One as well as Tron. So I think I'm going to be referring to this movie in the future as Space Player Tron. At its heart, Space Jam A New Legacy is a story about parents learning to let their children enjoy the things they love. A young LeBron James is told by his coach that video games will stunt his potential as a basketball player, which leads an adult King James to ignore his, the aspirations of his son who wants to design video games. Now, this movie kind of focuses on the machinations of a virtual character named Al G. Rhythm, played by Don Cheadle. Uh, Al G. Rhythm is an algorithm within the Warner Brothers virtual world, which gives him access to many Warner Brothers properties, such as the Justice League, Mad Max, Scooby-Doo, the Iron Giant, King Kong, The Mask, Neo, and Agent Smith from The Matrix, just to name a few. Al believes James can elevate Warner Brothers to a new level. And when its proposal is laughed down by LeBron James, Al gets revenge by sucking LeBron and his video game designing son into this virtual world. At times, this movie comes across as a real celebration of Warner Brother properties. There's a lot of remember this character or remember this movie moments, which really don't benefit the relatively weak storyline. If you're an animation fan, there's some great character work and animation involved, especially with the tunes. But it tends to be overshadowed by flashy effects or, again, by characters which have nothing to do with the Looney Tunes stable. Too much of this movie relies on tropes from better films that we have seen a million times and done much better in movies like Hook and The Muppets. Rather than spend the money on this, I would say go check out the new Looney Tunes cartoons. Or better yet, revisit the classics by Chuck Jones, Bobby Kimson, Bob Clampett, and Frizz Freeling. A new legacy brings nothing new, nor does it establish a legacy that future Looney Tune projects should be built upon. I'm sorry, but yeah, you know, I would wait for this one to get out Redbox or you know, wait for it to appear on a streaming service that you're already paying for. With that. I do want to thank Jeremy for the chance I've had to go ahead and take a look at these movies. I hope this helps you in your decision making. And remember, this is just my opinion. You may have something different to say. Please reach out and let us know what you think about these movies. Back to you, Jeremy. Now, overall, you can, you, you can hear that uh, Eric did not enjoy it. And right now, looking around, the critics are shunning this. But there are some viewers that are enjoying it. But uh, a lot of people are calling it a cash grab and flexing studio muscles by what characters they own. And in fact, you can find Pennywise the Clown wandering around in the crowd, which what is he doing in a movie that, well, I think they were aiming for kids to be able to enjoy. I've even seen people on Facebook talking about adults should not be reviewing this film because 
they're not the target audience. Like children are the target audience because of cartoon characters. And as Eric says, you're probably better off showing children the classic Looney Tunes. Sort of like this upcoming Yellowstone series. If you've seen this trailer, that Warner Brothers is destroying Hanna-Barbera piece at a time. Instead of watching that one, find a way to watch some classic Yogi Bear and classic Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I bet your kids would love those because you loved them watching them, right? Uh, So that would be my recommendation. These new versions are just not living up to it. Uh, Nothing that Warner Brothers has done with Scooby-Doo has really appealed to me. I maybe I'm just I love the classic Hanna-Barbera works um, and the live action films of Scooby-Doo. I didn't really care for. I didn't see the second one because the first one I didn't enjoy. Scoob, I didn't even watch. I'm just not confident in what they're going to do with Hanna-Barbera characters. Although the the new shorts, I, I think I've watched one of them on HBO Max. But Eric apparently has been enjoying those, the new Looney Tunes shorts, I should be specific about. Because they are trying to be in the old style, although I still find it funny that Elmer Fudd is not allowed to have a gun. But an axe is okay. Because somehow or another, that's better. So, yeah, Warner Brothers is... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I think I've said enough. But uh, this is not the show where I like to try to be negative about everything all the time. I mean, there are definitely some things that I can say that are, you know, things are not as well as I should like. But this is we want to have some fun and be able to enjoy things on this show. Unfortunately, I don't have anything that I can say that I really enjoy about any of these movies because I haven't seen either one of them and one of them. There are people enjoying, but definitely go check them out yourself and see what you think. If you if you would like to watch them, go watch them. I'm definitely not going to tell anybody not to watch one of these things, but I'm not encouraged on either of these movies to watch either one of them. But there are some exciting things to look forward to whenever we get a Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2, which is probably going to be a PS5 exclusive, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to afford a PS5. It's got a long time coming. So that might be my package game. You know, maybe I'll get my PS5 with the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2. Might come all together. And then, of course, I am excited about the concept of the Steam Deck and be able to play all these different games in a console format because I'm more of a console gamer. So with that, I'd like to thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite and Wall Show for their help in making our intro. Of course, remember to follow us on Twitter.com slash neverland pcast we're on facebook.com neverland podcast we also have a facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash neverland podcast you will find all of those links of course on our website neverlandpodcast.com you can leave us a voicemail 816-226-6492 and of course remember to donate through the patreon.com slash neverland podcast oh and hey leave us a review i i have some great reviews on the front page from my podcast reviews by the way, if you happen to be a podcaster, my podcast reviews for a very low fee will collect all of the reviews from everywhere that reviews can be left from Stitcher and Anchor and everywhere and send them to you so you can see what all your reviews are saying. I highly recommend that service. I thank them for being a sponsor on this show. If you go to the website right there in the front and click on where it says my podcast reviews and click on that link, if you make a purchase, I get a little feedback or help. I get a, I get a little kickback that's the word i'm looking for a kickback so yeah if you decide to check out my podcast reviews please uh go and click through my links that would be fantastic but until next time remember get lost in an adventure